You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Hope everybody's staying dry out there as some storms sweep through Alabama. Good Tuesday afternoon, everybody, on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. You're listening to On the Line, the number to call in, 334-321-1390. That's how you can get in touch with us. Levi, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing good. I feel like I'm doing better than the weather. I mean, it's it's looking dreary out here on the plains. It's not, a, not an ideal day, but you know what that means? We get out of here, we get to go home and relax. That's a good type of day whenever you see the rain. You can just go home and just clear everything out and just kind of just kind of relax a little bit. Enjoy the weather. If you got a front porch, sit on the front porch, watch the rain a little bit. Find Levi and I on Twitter, at Point Gardner, at Levi Fitzwater. we got a fun show for you guys today. We're going to revisit Brian Harson's press conference from yesterday, but from a different lens. We have chopped up bits and pieces of the press conference. We're going to play different clips, and we're going to talk about those clips and our reactions to some of the key moments in the press conference. So instead of talking about it like we did yesterday from a 1,000 feet above, now we're going to dig into it after we've had a day to kind of chew on it a little bit. And so that's a large part of what we've got planned today. We'll also get into Auburn baseball's game this afternoon coming up at 4 p.m. in Nashville against Lipscomb. That game was originally scheduled to be played here on the Plains, but Nashville's not doing with the rain that Auburn is right now so Auburn decided to head north for a little bit go and play some baseball at Lipscomb in Nashville that's the final non-conference game before SEC play starts this weekend against Ole Miss who's actually dealing with a little bit of COVID issues at the moment man college baseball is so fun in terms of how they do scheduling it's just crazy that uh, all of a sudden it's crazy how they do like that scheduling with everything man it's like uh, the same way with Boston College the other weekend where they have COVID issues with Wake Forest. Auburn has it with Xavier. They say, hey, let's just meet up and play. Same thing today. It's raining out here on the plains. They said, we'll, we'll go up there. We'll play you. Diamond's a diamond. We'll go up there and we'll play you. We'll get our nine. You get your nine. Let's go. We'll talk a little bit about college football recruiting as well. We touched on this a little bit yesterday. Emmanuel Henderson, five-star running back, selecting the Alabama Crimson Tide over the weekend. We'll take a look at the nasty Alabama football recruiting class that's being put together, but also we'll see where Auburn's at right now. They've got three commits in their class. Also, what does the rest of the SEC look like? We got a lot on tap today. The Patriots are getting Cam Newton some help. You just you they got love all kinds of weapons. It. They got all kinds of weapons out there now, man. I'm ready to talk about that later on too. But we got we got more important things, more pressing matters we need to take you know take account for. I think there was a lot to take away from Brian Harson's opening statement yesterday in his first press conference of spring practice. So let's take a listen to that. And then in about three minutes after the clip is done, you and I will go over it, some of the things that we took away from it. Well, first day of spring. Uh, we're all excited about that. Just had a staff meeting, uh, go over the final touches for our practice plans, uh, drills, 
things that we're going to implement today. Uh, we get a chance to get out there and actually get a ball and start uh, playing a little 11 on 11. Um, up to this point, you know, guys have been working out and meeting with coaches, getting to know each other, uh, getting the systems installed and learning what it is that we're doing uh, along with just the everyday um, that we're trying to uh, get implemented with our players on just the, the mentality and, and what we're trying to accomplish each and every day. And I think our guys have done a good job of that. Uh, I believe our coaches have done a good job of, of getting the expectations uh, for what it is we want to do uh, each and every day uh, in front of our players and, and then um, you know making sure that we're doing those things. So. But I thought strength staff did a great job with our guys up to this point, uh, just getting them prepared, uh, conditioning-wise, weight room-wise. Uh, we had testing this last week, uh, and you saw some of the videos, I'm sure, of the guys with our bench press, hang clean, squat, and, and getting a chance to get in there and just compete and seeing where guys are uh, with their reps uh, in a one rep max test and uh, being able to utilize that now moving forward for the things that we want to do in the weight room and, and certainly for our summer strength conditioning program. So I do want to say uh, to our strength staff uh, how much I appreciate the work they put in and the time they spent with our players. And I know our guys have appreciated that as well, um, our nutrition staff and, and everybody uh, that's involved in that. So that's led us to this day here. Um, we get a chance to get out there and practice. And uh, today is uh, going to be uh, a helmet practice. We've got two of those. And so a lot of uh, individual drills early on, um, some different circuits and things to, to try to get as much done as we can early in the practice and get into our uh, offense defense, um, 11 on 11 against each other, a few special team segments in there, and, and then hopefully, um, you know, finish out a great day. And you know, learn a lot from this first day and, and what I believe about, you know, anything you get a chance to do for the first time, you get one shot to make a first impression. I think that's important for players and coaches and everybody to understand. And uh, this is the first time for this staff, this team to be together in a real football setting. And so I hope everybody, you know, comes out there and puts their best foot forward and, and we have a really focused day. Uh, we have a day where our effort is high and, and uh, we get a lot done where we can build off of that, uh, review it going into the next day, and then uh, continue that on our Wednesday practice that will follow. So we'll have three practices uh, during this week and then one on Saturday. So we'll go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We'll have a Saturday practice as well. Uh, and then we'll regroup and come back with a Monday, Wednesday, Thursday schedule for the following week. Uh, and then we'll have a break in between and come back and, and finish out the second half of spring ball. So. Um, Really, got really uh, for all the coaches, you know, just a lot of uh, gearing up and excitement, and uh, just looking forward to getting out there and getting a chance to work with these guys. So, with that, open up for questions. And with that, we'll dig into that opening statement, right? Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on On the Line. What I took away from that opening statement, first of all, I think maybe we should call this like Brian Harson Book Club. I, I don't know, like. It's kind of fun. Everybody, you know, we're digging in on one, on one clip. What do you think about it? What did you take away from that package? So so maybe we should call this segment like Brian Harson <laughs> Book Club. I don't know. But what I took away from that opening statement was towards the back half of his opening statement. He said you only get one chance to make a good first impression. And he's talking about, and of course, that was yesterday's practice that he's talking about. But also these first couple of weeks of the spring these guys are trying to make solid first impressions. He doesn't know these players. 
they still have name tags on their helmets. You know, he doesn't know these players. And so a lot of it is he's looking at effort and attitude. And that's how players on this team that he doesn't have an allegiance to like Gus Malzahn did. Gus Malzahn knew these guys. He had some of these guys for four years. All the all of these players on this roster have to put their best foot forward and put a lot of intensity and effort into practice, which is something that I don't feel like a lot of people are talking about because I think that can help Auburn possibly make one of their hugest steps forward in development than we've seen over the last couple of years because now there really is an added focus on intensity, on improvement, on being on your best game every time you step out there because now you have to because your job's on the line. I mean, and there's a reason. Like, you have you have to go out there and try hard. You can't just mail it in and go, oh, coach has my back. You don't know if coach has your back in the sense of he trusts you and trusts what you bring to this team. And it's funny that we talked about – he's talking about first impressions because me and you – and if I'm not mistaken, our first podcast that we did together, we talked about they put on a bad first impression in that bowl yeah. game because he was there watching. That was a Saturday show that you and I recorded. It was our first show, like you said, that we ever recorded together. And the title of it was Auburn Football Did Not Make a Good First Impression for New Head Coach Brian Harson. And, and we were talking about the bowl game. And it was bad. I mean, they didn't put a good first impression. Luckily for them, which it kind of contradicts what Coach Harson said, they do get somewhat of a second chance at a first impression in terms of actually performing for the coach in practice under what he's expecting from them. Yeah, I take a lot of that away where it just feels like culture, it feels intensity, it feels just very much of a different type of mentality. He's got a watchful eye on these players. I Yeah, and he's looking at them because... He doesn't know him. He He's has like, to, who he are has my to, dogs? You know, who are my guys and who are that my, are going to you know, get in the yep. mud? Who are the guys who are going to fight for it in the trenches? Who are the guys, you know, the cliche are going to fight for that extra yard any given Sunday? Like, who are my leaders? Who are my dogs? Like, the guys who are going to lay it all on the line. And then who are my cats? Who are the guys who are just kind of out there, you know, just wanting to play football for the benefits of football and not actually wanting to play and care about the game and wanting to win? Just guys who are... You know, what was it? I think it was the old Coastal Carolina coach that uh, years ago where he was like, you're looking in the mirror with your bands on, trying to see if you look cool, like stuff like that. Who are those I know what guys? you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Who, are, who are those guys on this team? Who are the guys that I'm, I'm not sold on? And then who, you know, counterpoint, who are the dogs? Who are the guys who are going to go to bat every single day? Not just on Saturday. Every single day when we have practices, when we're in film study, who are those guys who are ready and want to win? I also love the... In the press conference, he just detailed out, we're practicing this day, this day, this day, and then we're coming in on Saturday. I don't know why it just felt... I don't know. That's pretty normal. But, like, it just felt good to hear that. I don't know. Like, it felt very confident. Maybe maybe because it's the spring and we haven't had football in a long time. Maybe I'm just excited to, to see a schedule. Because that's like, pretty normal. Malzahn did that. I say, yeah. I, I just like hearing him just say, like, hey, we're doing all of this. Is it, is it also... Is it uh, commonplace for them to practice on Saturday? I, I've never... Uh, like, I've never like super kept up with. I guess it the just kind of depends on the coaching staff, right? I guess so. I, I like. Oftentimes I like to go during to the summer, and uh, or not during the summer, but during the fall camp. I guess that still is the summer until yeah. it finally you know rolls around. And you actually hit that fall day, but uh, during summer and fall camp, Auburn would have scrimmages on Saturdays, so it is normal. All right, I was I wasn't too sure about that. I never kept up with the spring practice schedule or you know like the pre 
like any anything preseason. I never really kept up with those schedules. Yeah, so pretty I, normal. So I wasn't sure if it was like a. If you're not playing, if you're not playing ball on Saturday, it's pretty normal. Heard that. Sounds like a good thing. Friend of the program, Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers and Auburn Twenty Four Seven Sports. He'll be joining us on the show today at two thirty. We'll have a great conversation with him. Get him. Get his thoughts on on the spring and, and some other things going on. In Auburn athletics right now, baseball as well. He's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to baseball also. But he just asked this question to head coach Brian Harson yesterday at the press conference about defensive scheme. Let's take a listen to that, and then we'll come back and we'll break it down. Yeah, well, what you just said, I think a little of everything. Uh, I think you're three down, four down front to see both of those. And, and like you said, just to be versatile, uh, you got to be able to play both. You got to be able to get in a three man front. You got to be able to get into a four man front. Um, you got to be able to bring backers and walk them up and, and, and be aggressive, you know, short yardage situations, goal line, whatever that is. Um, so to me, we'll see both of those throughout spring. Um, you know, he's going to be the one that's going to be managing that and how much we. We see as far as the defensive install goes, but we know from an offensive standpoint, we'll see that from our defense. Um, and then the different coverages, right? I think one of them, you know, that, that everybody has to, to make sure they practice is man coverage. And uh, you'll see man coverage out there. You'll see the, the man techniques. You know, that's one where, you know, that just takes time. And that's your one-on-one that you're going to spend uh, probably the majority of your time teaching. You know, it's just your man technique and coverages. So we'll, we'll certainly work on that. and. And then there'll be a mixture of it, right? As the spring as spring goes on and practices, we start stacking days. Um, you know, you go back and forth. What did we do well? What did we not do well? And I think you'll see a little bit of everything. Uh, and that's the beauty of spring. You know, that's for for us right now. We're we're implementing our systems for the first time. We're getting a chance to get out there and, and actually do them with the players. Uh, but also, I think spring is a is a great time to test and tune and try some things and. Um, you know, see how it fits with your personnel and see how that fits maybe with something you want to do uh, going into this next season. Um, there is no game, you know, at the end of spring and you can adjust the way you want to. You can slow it down, speed it up. Um, you can go back and, and cover another install if you want to. Uh, so there's a lot of things that, that spring ball does as far as just giving you freedom as a coach. But, you know, we want to push and we want to make sure we get in uh, the installs that we have set, you know, especially in the first seven practices. And then we want to regroup when we have that week in between and come back and say, all right, here's where we are, where are we going? And then continue on with our installation all the way through the spring game and um, try to get a lot in so these guys have you know, the foundation of what we're doing, the DNA of what we're doing, and they can prepare and, and utilize that through the summer. Going back to what you were talking about in the previous, about the previous clip and, and him feeling confident and that you were happy that he talked about the practice schedule. This is what we didn't get from Gus Malzahn, the specifics. So that's just a little side side snippet there to not to something that was not relevant to the question at hand about scheme. But when you're talking about these are two minute long clips, Malzahn was not given two minute long answers typically. I mean, the press conference questions. itself. So this was is what, pretty 30? specific. So this is pretty specific. And yes, it was. It was yeah, like 31 it was like 30 minutes, minutes which is long for what we're accustomed to from seeing from Gus Malzahn. So Malzahn was a, about half that time, typically. I mean, Coach Arson goes into detail. He goes and I into imagine a lot of they will. I imagine yeah. they will get shorter and shorter. This is still the off season and whatnot, but it is refreshing 
because we haven't gotten that from Malzahn in a long, long time. He's also, a, you know, he's a new coach, so he's probably just saying, I'm saying everything I can. I want them to know what's going on here. You know, this is what we're... He definitely seems more open. Yeah, he seems like this is what we're doing. This is what we're going through. Y'all this listening. is the vision. This is how I communicate it. Now, let's roll that back yep. then and come back and talk about the defensive side of the ball because he was asked about the scheme, and he said he would use both. Do you take that as coach speak, or do you think he legitimately means that he will have three and four man fronts, so a hybrid defense? I, I, I mean, I think so, because I think Auburn has that ability to run both of them just based off the personnel. I mean, this is a transition period for this defense, and if you have the ability with the talent that I think – the talent that Auburn has on the defensive side of the ball and the versatility of some of these guys, I think you, I think you would be hurting yourself – not to try and implement some sort of hybrid defense because you're just kind of pigeonholing yourself. You're putting yourself in a box when you have the talent to be able to kind of run a couple of different sets at other teams that, you know, honestly would be able to throw them off and confuse, you know, the other, the opposing offensive side. I think Auburn is better suited for a four man front because that's the personnel that they have built up yep. over the last couple of years. But I do think that we see a base incorporation of the 3-4 defense and then every once in a while you will see them switch to four-man fronts because he wants to be versatile you might see it switch throughout the whole season and you may not know what the base defense is the base defense may be hybrid between the two between the 3-4 and the 4-3 coach Harson speaks a lot about versatility speaks a lot about being able to be prepared for multiple things or for all things that you can see throughout a football game I like that because that tells me maybe Auburn will make some adjustments at halftime, which is a huge gripe of Auburn fans. When he said adjustment, and he was talking about, you know, through the spring after he puts in some of the installs and he's looking at him and says, all right, what else can we add into it? How do we feel comfortable about this? And it just felt so, it felt very planned out, but also so fluid. It felt like he was looking at this from a perspective of saying, hey, if we get to this point, and there's maybe like a divergence in the road where he says, we could go this way or we could go this way. I don't feel like you got that type of transparency from Gus Malzahn. No, it just felt like I, I, I loved hearing adjustments. You said it first. We, there was no adjustments going on, at least in, you know, in game and even really through the game plan throughout a season. I love the ability for him to say, hey, what if this isn't going the way we thought it was going to go? Or what if we're seeing some players and we're and you just have that? What if that, something else is emerging that possibly is? Yeah, better? you just have that epiphany and you yeah. see something. And you're like, oh, we should try to implement that, or we should change this and do this instead. I love that. Like I, that that was the big thing that stuck out for me was I heard adjustments and I I just immediately started swooning over here because I haven't <laughs> I haven't seen adjustments and I haven't heard the word adjustments and I just love. I love where you've heard the word adjustments and, and then you haven't yes. seen adjustments. We're on at the least acknowledging field. it, so I'm hoping that. Uh, you know, this materializes into something. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at Radio AL Sports. Between collegiate and high school sports content, we've got you covered. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. We'll come back. We'll talk Auburn football recruiting. Also, what's going on on the other side of the state? Alabama's building another nasty class after they had the number one ranked recruiting class ever this past year. All that and more coming up on On the Line. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Hope everybody's having a good Tuesday afternoon. 
Thank you for joining us on the line. The number to call, 334-321-1390. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. The Max Roundtable on the line. The Drive with Bill Cameron analysis, news, and more. Seven hours of local sports talk. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. Coming up in about seven minutes, we'll have Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers and Auburn 24-7 Sports on the line with us. He'll be joining us on our phone line. So looking forward to that conversation with Jason to pick his brain about all the various things happening in Auburn sports. We haven't talked to him yet about the Justin Powell stuff that broke last week. I mean, it was early last week, I feel like, right? And it happened right yeah. as our show was going off air. And so we haven't even gotten to talk to him yet about that. We'll talk to him about, more importantly, what's going on with Auburn football and spring practice this early on. And then we'll also get his thoughts on this afternoon's Auburn baseball game against Lipscomb and then what's to come this weekend against Ole Miss. So great conversation coming up with Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers and Auburn 24-7 Sports. But as promised, some recruiting talk here on On the Line. Noah Garner and Levi Fitzwater with you. Alabama football earned the commitment of five-star running back Manuel Henderson. And uh, he joins five-star quarterback Ty Simpson, which this reminds me of the core of Tua Tungavaloa, Najee Harris, and Jerry Judy from several years ago. And did that that recruiting class that featured you know Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith all kind of lumped together in, in subsequent years, very close to each other. They were lumped together. If they weren't all in the same class, they were all very close to each other. This looks like the beginning of another core. Alabama brought in all of those receivers in the 2021 class. They brought three or four in with this previous one that just signed back in February. But now they've got the five-star quarterback, maybe the best quarterback that Nick Saban has ever signed in terms of overall star ranking. I don't remember the last time other than Tua and then Bryce Young this past year, but there's something about this Ty Simpson guy that just sticks out when, when, when you look at his high school tape and you look at his rankings, you're like, wow, this guy might be the best quarterback that Nick Saban has brought in yet in terms of his passing ability. But then you also look at it, he's not a pro-style quarterback. He can move. The guy can play. So this is, you know, Ty Simpson, he's great. Oh, by the way, they just added someone else to his backfield, tailback, five-star running back Emmanuel Henderson. This is, this is tough for other teams of the SEC to see. But with that being said, Alabama still only 14th right now in the 2022 team rankings. That will change, but they do have two five stars. You think you think that'll change? That will change. <laughs> they have the second most five stars of anybody else in the rankings right now. I mean, it's obvi- it's obviously going to go up. I mean, if something cataclysmic has to happen for Alabama under Nick Saban to finish outside of the top five in recruiting, at least like now, like in modern times. Something cataclysmic has to happen because it's, it's just not going to happen. They're going to be able to recruit well and get five stars. Re- I mean, rich get richer, man. This is this is the only reason why they're 14th right now is because they only have five commitments yeah, and everybody else has has a little bit more than that. The other teams that are clumped up with them right now in the 2022 rankings, they just have maybe one or two. But the teams that are inside the top five, they're trailblazing right now. Texas A&M with eight commitments, Notre Dame with 10, Georgia with eight, LSU with 10, and then the top team in the country in recruiting at the moment, Ohio State with 11, with three five-stars and eight four-stars. Ohio State's probably not going to move out of the top three. Like They're, they're not going to get bumped from there. They, folks may have a hard time moving them out of number one. 
I mean, Alabama's not going to finish below Rutgers. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. <laughs> Rutgers is top 10 yeah, right that's now. That's what I'm saying. That's not going to hold up. It's early. It, it is early. It, it's early. That's not going to hold up. Alabama will be in the top, you know, five, four, whatever you want to call it. But, I mean, this Cincinnati, Baylor, Boston College, Maryland, all of these teams are in the top 25. That's crazy. Good for them. That's crazy. Good for them. I mean, Kansas is sitting at 27, but, I mean, how how is that going to hold up with, you know, the most recent news and coming out of, you know, Lawrence, Kansas, right now they only have five three stars though that that will it's they just, will plunge. Oh yeah, it's just a it's just a volume of what they have right now compared to some of the other places. I mean, that's just how it is. But yeah, this this Alabama team is looking nasty. It's looking like they're setting up for just a young core of guys that are going to be able to come in and just continue the trend that we've seen out out of Alabama in the past years. Get a good quarterback because that was the knock on what Nick Saban was doing. Was he wasn't going out and getting elite talent at quarterback, but he was, now he's got. And I yeah. said that. This fellow wasn't a pro-style quarterback. He is in name. He's the number three pro-style quarterback. This guy can move. Yeah, it's Ty not, Simpson. There's a difference between in, in there's a difference between pro-style quarterback and now there's guys who are pro-style quarterbacks who just aren't run first. That's kind of how it is. It's not you're he's not well, a statue. Maybe would have been a yeah, better that's, way that's for that's me what to I'm describe. Trying, that's what Simpson. I was trying to say. I was trying to find a way to describe it. He's it's a pro-style. He's not. He's, he's not, not Tom Murray, Brady. He's not yeah. Tom Brady. He's not statue uh, Nick Foles with his uh, concrete feet that he has back there. Yeah, he's not eight feet tall with cinder blocks around his ankles. He can move. Just because yeah. he's not Lamar Jackson doesn't mean that he can't move. He's able to at least avoid pressure. And I mean, man, you want to talk about how Alabama has changed what they do and what they're attempting to do. You were getting game managers at quarterback, not you know guys who weren't weren't talented. Greg McElroy, AJ McCarron, those guys could throw the ball, but they were mainly relegated to hand the ball off, play action pass, make smart decisions. The defense is going to carry you. Now you've seen a complete flip on that. Nick Saban's going out there and getting guys like Jalen Hurts. He's getting his to offense it. has changed. Yeah, it's changed from you know what was this pro style run first, you know I formation sets, and it's now I wouldn't say spread. that it's pass first, but it definitely throws it's, the ball a whole lot more, and it's more balanced. And it's definitely more spread out. You see a lot more. I mean, you, you need an arm to be able to spread the football around yep. the field like Alabama's attempting to do, and, and not attempting. They have been. You never saw you did. You never saw Alabama in the at the beginning of Nick Saban's tenure there. You never saw them in the shotgun unless it was like third and long. You didn't see that. Now it's not out of the question to see him on a first, you know, first down and ten, or even a second and three, go into a shotgun formation and run a quick RPO because you have the talent to read that guy with, you know, we'll just say last year, for instance, Najee Harris, and then pop Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle across the middle. Auburn football right now at 30th overall in the 24-7 sports composite That'll rankings. climb. That'll climb. They will as they add more guys. We talk with Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers and Auburn 24-7 sports on the other side of this break. Stay with us here on On the Line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. And joining us on our phone lines now, as promised, we got Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers and Auburn 24-7 Sports. Jason, how you doing today, my man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, wish the weather was nicer and wish there was an Auburn baseball game in town, but uh, they're headed up to Nashville. But we'll, we'll get to baseball in a little bit. Let's talk some Auburn football here. Spring practice, that's what everybody wants to hear about. 
yesterday, Brian Harson's press conference. There were several major themes, I'm sure, that, that uh, most people took away if they took the time to go and watch it. What was a major theme that you took away maybe from yesterday's press conference with Brian Harson? Yeah, yeah, I think it was probably mostly about, um, you know, asking about the defense and, you know, kind of where we thought we would knew kind of what they were doing. And then when, you know, we combined, uh, you know, the thoughts from Harson and then them releasing the roster where it had tackle, end, and edge, it had three different positions listed, then we knew pretty quickly that there were going to be some, some three, four, and four, three looks. And that's basically what he said is, look, we're going to do both of those things. And, I think it's a great a great fit for you know this defensive line group. Uh, when you start looking at the, the the guys up there up front, guys that can do some multiple multiple things, guys like you know, Colby Wooden, uh, Zykevis Walker, uh, those guys that can play inside and outside, could play you know three four four three, you know, and, and the, I, I think those are going to be two of your better players. So you think about those guys, and then kind of have a you know, maybe more so than, than any year in, in quite a while for Auburn, the guys that may fit more of the traditional 3-4 nose when you think about a Tyrone Truesdale or um, you know, Jeremiah, uh, those guys. Uh, I think you look at, at some of the things that they do, I think they, they fit kind of a more of almost a nose. So I thought that was pretty interesting uh, to hear that. And then, you know, hey, he, he didn't miss any words when talking about the offensive line. So, look, <laughs> we we got to make that a priority in terms of recruiting. It's going to be – you know, uh, basically mix and match and just kind of see, looking for the best five guys, but said, look, we've got to do a better job and they've got to, they got to work on recruiting to try to not to get in, in these situations. I thought those were the two things that really stood out to me the most. Speaking about the defense and Derek Mason, I heard a couple of times, and this is normal, obviously, because Derek Mason's yeah. the defensive coordinator, but Harson would say he's going to be managing that, and it kind of felt like he deferred a lot to Derek Mason. And, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, considering Derek Mason's coming from a head coaching stop previously at Vanderbilt. But what do you think that relationship looks like? Because it, to me, and I said this on yesterday's show, it kind of feels like Derek Mason is uh, is kind of like second head coach, uh, kind of second hand man, but on on the, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, it's kind of the way things really the way they are now. When you when you think about it, normally a you get a head coach, he's going to be more focused on one side of the ball than the other. You're either going to have a defensive guy or an offensive guy. That's just kind of how it is. Um, if you're fortunate on on a staff, you're you know the other side of that equation. They basically go, "Hey, I hired you for a reason. Go do it." And so, I think that's that's where you are, Brian Harson. Now he's the head coach, and everything's his ultimate responsibility. But I think you hired Derek Mason for a reason. Going, hey, look, that guy knows what he's doing. I'm going to trust him to to lead our defense. I'm going to be there, um, give my input, those things. In the end, that's why you hire a guy like that is to, to let him go out and, 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 and get that team prepared and, and to get you prepared on the offensive side of the ball, all those things. So, yeah, I think, I think Derek Mason is going to, um, you know, you know you're, you're right, you know, may not technically be the, the uh, second head coach, but I think that's, that's what you can almost think about him in, in terms of being the head coach of this defense and having you know, that responsibility to run that side of the ball. With Brian Harson's background in offense, do you think the relationship is with with Mike Bobo? Do you think it is more similar to his relationship with Derek Mason, or do you think it's going to be a little bit different? Is he going to be more hands on? Yeah, I think he'll be more hands on. I think that's that's who he is. I think you know those two guys being familiar with each other. I think that's really important um, because you get guys in that while they're familiar with each other, they haven't really worked side by side, and so I think he knows what you know what Mike Bobo does, who he is. 
Um, and, and I think they can work off each other a little bit in, in, in terms of that. I think you know, Mike Bobo has done a lot of different things. And, and um, you know, Brian Harson has, has talked about it, too. You, you basically, in the end, what you have to do is you have to, um, you have to kind of work with the talents you have. And so I think you look at it in, in this team and, um, you know, they're going to do – I would be expecting to be pretty multiple. You know, Mike Bobo has done both. He's kind of lined up and he's, he's you know, run the ball and play acts and you know, some of those things. And then they spread it out some to Colorado State. You know, people ask me, well, what makes you think this is going to work? You know, the last time Auburn tried to do this in 2012, it didn't work. Well, that's, Auburn's not going – uh, completely cold stone like they did in 2012 where they said, look, we're going to be an I-formation team, put a fullback in the game, and hand the ball off. And That's not what all – they may do that at times, but they're going to be able to get the shotgun. They're going to be able to go tempo. I, I would expect them to do a lot of different things because that's you know, that's what Brian Carson has done a lot of, and, and Mike Bobo, Bobo has done pretty much everything as a coordinator. What's something that you don't think people are talking about enough that Brian Harson said yesterday, if there is one that he said yesterday? One of the more interesting things to me is 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 that, you know, Shedrick Jackson is not out there in the spring. Um, you think about him and David Capers being limited. Um, that's taking your probably your, uh, you know, Kobe Hudson was there too, but I mean, you have virtually no experience in the wide receiver position now in the spring. Uh, it's a great opportunity for these young guys to get a whole lot of reps, to get a whole lot of work. Um, so, to me, that was already going to be a young position. It's even younger now when you take Shedrick Jackson out of the equation. He's by far the most experienced player on the roster at that spot. But now you're talking about all these young guys that are going to get some very, very valuable reps in the spring. Um but, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how, how they respond if they step up, if they if they do enough to where, you know, Ryan Harson, Mike Bobo, Cornelius Williams, if they go, man, we feel great about those guys, we feel good enough, or will they leave the spring going, we have to go find us an older guy that's more experienced. You know, people talked about where, where does Auburn go in terms of potential transfer. That could be a spot for a potential transfer uh, when you start thinking about trying to find a veteran, a guy that's played there and done it before. Um, but it may depend on you know, how those guys look in the spring. I think that's where we are pretty much everywhere right now. As you go, I right, put all that on hold. Uh, we'll come out of the spring, see what our biggest need areas are, and then you go from there. Speaking with Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers and Auburn 24-7 Sports, and with this receiver room with Shedrick Jackson out and with Xavier Capers also listed as out, does anyone in particular come to mind that may benefit from this, uh, that that we may have not have seen as much of those guys were healthy, that maybe this opens the door for them to get some substantial playing time headed into A-Day? Yeah, I think you're looking – kind of everybody got an idea of, of you know, Elijah Cannon in the bowl game. We've already seen Toby Hudson. Uh, we've seen what he can do. To me, a guy I think that, that, that is going to have a great opportunity to spring is Malcolm Johnson, Jr., a guy that should still be in high school and you know, getting ready for graduation. Graduated a year early, came in in the fall. Um, obviously, that's a, that's a huge jump when you think about that. Um, but, you know, he's got it. He got on the field a little bit. He's now had a year in the weight room. He is, you know, maybe the fastest player on this roster uh, when you start talking about just pure speed. Those guys always have a spot. Um, can he be the guy that stretches the field and, and jumps into that role of playmaker on an offense? Uh, um, so I think I think that's one of the guys for me that I look at at wide receiver 
that's going to have that opportunity. Like I said, we know Elijah Canyon. We've seen Kobe Hudson. Those two guys have probably played um, you know more than anybody right now that's in this group. But I, I would I would say you know, you know Malcolm Johnson for me is a guy to watch. Auburn baseball. They're headed up to Nashville to take on Lipscomb tonight. Uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Peyton Glavin on the hill for Auburn, his first ever collegiate start. Yeah, I think for Auburn, it's it's balancing, um, you know, your pitching staff trying to get ready for you know the opening of SEC play this weekend, and you know wondering if you're going to have Richard Fitz or, or Jack Owen for a few innings here there against the Rebels. You know, you're without them, without Carson Skipper, Cody Greenhill just came back. Uh, you know, we've seen some issues for this team. Uh, you know, at the end of the week on a Sunday, um, you know, last week against UAB, they were down to their their last couple of guys to throw. That'll be the thing. Um, can can they get four or five good innings out of Peyton Glavin and, and, and let that offense score some runs? I mean, you know, that's going to be the thing because you know you're going to depend on some guys down the line in terms of arms because you you need all your bullets ready to go when you go to Oxford, Mississippi this weekend. Speaking of those Rebels out in uh, out in Oxford, Mississippi, and they've been a top ten team all year long. They they are adored by college baseball writers everywhere. Where is Ole Miss at right now versus where Auburn is at right now? Because you look at the SEC standings, and I know this doesn't mean much because SEC play hasn't started yet. But Auburn's got the second most losses out of any SEC team in the league right now. The only team with more is Missouri, who's seven and ten. Ole Miss, uh, I believe, with three or four losses at the moment. Where's Ole Miss at compared to where Auburn's at, and what is the likelihood maybe that that Auburn can steal the series this weekend? Yeah, I think it. You know, a lot of it depends on on how healthy this Auburn pitch staff can get. I think that's the thing that you, know, you think about a, a full strength Auburn pitching staff right now, and and at a minimum two games come to mind. Uh, you know, but probably three when you look at at you know the, both these last couple of Sunday games, and then that first game against Oklahoma. You think about a full strength pitching staff, and and this is a team that that might have two losses. They may not have you know, that many, if, if so. So that's where you stand. Uh, you know, they've dealt with just um, some bad breaks to to their what you might consider right now. Um, when you talk about you know Cody Greenhill, Richard Fitz, Jack Owen, and Carson Skipper, um, probably coming into the season, that's probably four of your top five pitchers. When you start going, hey, this the four of the five guys we can count on. That's probably it. Trace Bright has stepped up into that role for this team. But um, so I think for this team, can you get those guys healthy? Ole Miss extremely talented. Um, Auburn will go deal with an atmosphere like they haven't seen um, in a couple of years. You know, since early the season last year. But they played all those games at home. Um, this will be the most you know difficult atmosphere this team has seen since the College World Series in 2019 because Ole Miss. They'll have students back. They're gonna let them in the outfield. There'll be four or five thousand students out there in the outfield, and um, you know that'll be a, the, the first time this team's seen that in quite a while. Jason, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Tell everybody where they can find all the great content you're putting out. Yep, like I said, I can check us out at autigers.com, and uh, also follow me on Twitter at itatjason. Appreciate it, Jason. Hope you stay dry out there today, and I uh, hope you enjoy your afternoon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That was Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers and Auburn 24-7 Sports. Levi, nasty weather out there, but Auburn baseball is in action this afternoon coming up at 4 p.m. in Nashville. We'll talk about that game coming up. What does Auburn have to look forward to this weekend against Ole Miss? We continue the baseball conversation on the other side of this break here on On the Line. 
You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater at ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call as phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. And we thank Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers for joining us in that previous segment. You can find that conversation with Jason wherever you get your podcast. Before we wrap up our number one here, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Get your crime show fix with NCIS at 7 and FBI following it at 8, both on CBS. Get ready for your emotions to be tested on This Is Us at 8 on NBC. Over on CW from 7 to 9, you can catch a couple of superhero shows with The Flash at 7 and Superman and Lois at 8. A couple of movie selections tonight, they aren't your typical police recruits. Police Academy is on AMC at 7. A couple of quirky movies on Freeform, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate factory at 5 and the 2010 version of alice in wonderland at 7 30 getting older doesn't mean you have to lose your inner kid grown-ups 2 is on paramount at 6 and old school follows it at 8 15 the nba schedule features two games on tnt tonight starting at 6 30 the utah jazz will travel to boston to face the celtics at 9 zion williamson and the pelicans will close the night at damian lillard and the portland trailblazers i'm noah gardner and that's what's on tv tonight Wrapping up our number one here of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. we got about six minutes left in the hour here. Let's talk some Auburn baseball. We'll continue the conversation here that we had with Jason Caldwell in our previous segment. Well, what is Auburn baseball up to today? It was originally supposed to be a home baseball game against Lipscomb, the Bisons. They were originally supposed to be playing them here on the Plains. Instead, they head north to Nashville. That game's first pitch at 4 p.m. Redshirt junior left-handed pitcher Peyton Glavin on the bump this afternoon, making his first collegiate start, taking on junior righty Dylan Bierman, who's 0-1 with a 13.5 ERA. The numbers for Glavin this season, 0-1 with a 2 ERA. Outside of one Bad appearance, or I wouldn't even say bad appearance. It's just one so-so appearance, which is where the two ERA comes in. He hasn't allowed a run in three of his four appearances this season. So Peyton Glavin's coming into this ball game with a with a good stat line this season, and I'm excited to see him get the start this afternoon. I am too, especially against what you you know perceive to be inferior competition in Lipscomb. I mean, they're you know. What we got on them? Their uh, batting average. They're five is, and five. They're two four. What are they hitting? Two forty four right now. Uh, batting average. I mean, that's not staff ERA of four point eight three. So you would like the two forty four batting average is abysmal. You would like to see Peyton Glavin come out and dominate this team, especially with, when you're looking at what the talent they're bringing to the table. Then you look at their batting average that they've posted this year. You want to see a good outing from Glavin and get you know get his confidence going, get him feeling a lot more comfortable on the mound. You know. Auburn can use all the pitch and depth they need because uh, the way the season has been going, it has been a revolving door with injuries and injury concerns. You know, they're pretty solidified with a lot of depth. Problem is, can they stay healthy to where they can actually utilize when that When half depth? of the staff is gone due to injury, you need it doesn't matter if you've got yeah. depth or not because it's it's hurt, right? Like, if they're all healthy, then yeah, you've got it's, it's depth. It's amazing. It's you've great. You've got some of the most depth that the entire SEC has ever seen. But all of all of them are hurt, you know. Which, so this is where the death has come into play because it has been nice to have, you know. At least Auburn isn't struggling to find 
someone to throw in there because it is such a deep pitching staff that I they have. I think they're starting to struggle oh, when they get to Sunday. Sunday is Arms when are they're spent yeah. by Sunday. Sunday's the one, and you saw that this past you saw that this past Sunday against Little Rock when you give up you know twelve runs because thirteen hits. You just don't have the arms to try it out there because your entire pitching staff has been decimated with injuries. So that's what I'm looking forward to tonight. I'm looking forward to see what Peyton Glavin is going to do on the mound against Lipscomb. Fear competition, bad hitting team from you know at least it's a statistical standpoint. You want to see him come out. You want to see him have a good game. And give yourself some confidence that, hey, there's another arm in this pitching room that we can rely on if our bad luck continues. I think that's what's significant about Glavin starting here because now you can at least, you're at least getting to see. Of course, it's not against great competition. It didn't start with great competition for Trace Bright. Trace Bright started it off against Alabama A&M. But guess what? It moved him to a weekend. It, it, it and, got yeah. him the ability to pitch against A&M. He did great against A&M. That earned him another Sunday start, and so on and so forth. So this this could be the beginning for Glavin. I don't think Glavin makes it into the weekend, but it's just good to know that he can get onto the bump and open up a ball game. Of course, this is a pretty good team to get your first collegiate start against because you should get run support against this team. I'll be disappointed if Auburn doesn't come to the plate today and hit well, considering the starter for Lipscomb has a 13-5 ERA. That's right, 13-5 ERA, 0-1 on the year. This is just the type of team that you would expect to be able to hit against. I know it's baseball. I know it's the midweek. Some some not-so-normal guys may end up in the lineup, but you would still like to see this Auburn team generate some momentum at the plate. I felt like they hit fine this weekend. They didn't hit above the average that Little Rock was giving up, which is a little concerning. Little Rock was allowing 6.4 runs per game. Auburn only hit 6.3, which some people may be saying, well, you're reading a little bit too much into that, which may be true to a degree, but you're playing Little Rock, right? Like when you go into the SEC, you expect your averages to drop because you're playing better competition, correct? Well, that same logic can be applied when you're playing super bad competition. You would expect it to jump up, correct? Well, Auburn didn't do that against Little Rock. So I'm not so certain, especially with the way that Sunday ended, that I'm like seeing a lot of momentum for this Auburn baseball team right now, especially going in to play one of the SEC's best and Ole Miss this weekend. That's why this game matters to me. I want to see him go to the plate, tear it up, generate some momentum, destroy him, leave no doubt, and then go into this weekend. Because the series against Ole Miss, I, I, it's cliche to say it's going to be won and lost across the first two days because that's that's obvious I mean Ole Miss could go out and take two and then boom the series is over but Auburn needs to take Auburn absolutely has to go out there and swing the bat the first two days of the series if Auburn's going to at least have a shot to take one game in the series against Ole Miss I'm not saying steal the series against Ole Miss I think it's a win for Auburn if they take one of three this weekend against the Rebels avoid the sweep while you're trying to get your pitchers back because once you get your guys healthy in the pitching staff, well, then you're going to be a very dangerous team in three-quarters of SEC play because I imagine the staff will be mainly healthy for three-quarters of SEC play. But while you're not healthy, you better have the run support for some of these younger guys who are a little bit lower down on the on the staff and in the pen. You better be giving them run support. And this Ole Miss team is a complete baseball team. I'm still saying, though, if they don't bring the bats – you lose those first two games, you're not winning on Sunday. And you want to get the you want to get the bats rolling tonight. You want to go in there with that confidence that you can hit this Ole Miss pitching staff. 
Auburn just needs to go out there and try to take one of the first two. If they do and still lose the series, whatever, that's fine. You at least took one of one of three, right? But if you you also set yourself up with a chance to steal the series if you do that. So it's very important those first two days. Go out and get a win before before game three. We'll be back with the hour number two of On the Line on the other side of this break. You are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more, all on Fox Sports Central Alabama on foxsports983.com and on Facebook, that's foxsports983.com. It's been a solid show so far. In that first segment that we opened up with, we dug in deep to Brian Harson's press conference yesterday. Yesterday we looked at it from 1,000 feet above. We hit the highlights. Today we've taken several clips, we've chopped them up, and we're playing them and then in their entirety to to certain questions that were asked to uh, asked to him and and his entire answers to those questions and then we've dug in deep and we are providing our reactions and our takes based on what he has said is it coach speak is it the real deal what does he mean when he says that might as well just call it Brian Harson book club right i mean that's that's what it feels like we're all we're going through a passage and then giving you our thoughts and whatnot so that's uh, that's what we're going to start off hour number two with as well. If you missed any of hour number one, feel free. Go check out the podcast wherever you get your podcast. If you ever miss a show, that's where you can find it as well. And then also want to say thank you to Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers for joining us in hour number one. Also, a lot of great insights he provided us about spring practice so far for Auburn football as we are only into day two now and then as well. We also got into some Auburn baseball as they take on Lipscomb and Nashville today at 4 p.m. And then this weekend, they take on the Ole Miss Rebels. But without further ado, let's get back into talking about Brian Harson's press conference yesterday and some of the questions that were asked to him. He was asked a specific question about the quarterback position and about what he's learned about Bo Nix, you know, and still what is there to learn about Bo Nix. So let's listen to his question there as he opened it up to the entire quarterback room. Hey, Coach. Shiana Hahn from AL.com. Um, what have you kind of learned about Bo as you've gotten to know him a bit better, and how are you planning to approach that quarterback position as you head into the spring? Did you ask what I've got to learn about Bo? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, well, really all those guys, Grant Loy, Bo, um, Davis, Garnett, um, Pate, you know, all, all those guys um, that are in that room right now, um, you know, I just just being around that quarterback group, right? I think Coach Bobo's done a great job with those guys and, um, you know, obviously get a chance to be around the quarterback room. I enjoy that and I enjoy just, just watching these guys, um, how they prepare themselves, you know, how, what their demeanor is in the weight room and on the field and how they operate. Um, you know, those are things that I've got a chance to see, um, not just, uh, you know, not just from the quarterback position, but from all the players and 
Trey Lindsey in there as well. Um, so, you know, I think that group will we'll approach it now as far as, you know, going out there. There'll be a pecking order in practice, right? There always is. Uh, I wouldn't say that we necessarily have a depth chart set. We have a pecking order. Bo will go out there first. Grant will be out there. All right. Uh, that will get mixed as we go through practices. Um, you know, guys will get their shot to run with the ones and twos or whatever we consider the ones and twos at the time. And, you know, what I want to see from, from that group in particular, I want to see guys, you know, prepared every single day. I want to see guys come out there and, and, um, and compete, execute, all right, uh, operate the system. I think that's a, a big part of what we have to do right now at the quarterback position. We just got to operate every day. And, and, and how we do that at that position is really going to lead to, all right, how our offense goes. Um, if we can get that. Uh, we can get that down and feel good about what we're doing at the quarterback position. I think our operation as a, as a whole can improve on the offensive side. So those guys know that, um, you know, but at the end of the day, I mean, today's a fun day for, for those guys to, to put the work on the field that they've been doing and, and us getting the chance to see these guys go out there and compete. And, and then we'll see. You know, right now everybody's competing. Everybody, um, you know, you come to a spring like this, everybody's at that and it was always this way, whether you had returning starters or not. I mean, that's just been a, something that I always believe in. You, you show up in spring and guys improved from the off season. You know, you want to see what they're able to do and you want to give everybody an opportunity to go out there and compete and maximize their reps. And then as the practices go on, all right, that pecking order starts to become a depth chart and you start to get into your, your level of where, you know, these guys are rolling with the ones and the twos a little bit more and, and you keep mixing that, you know, through those practices. That was Brian Harson talking about the quarterback position when asked about what he's learned about Bo Nix in terms of getting to know him better over time and then, you know, how does that develop into a depth chart. So breaking down some of these Brian Harson clips from yesterday's press conference, Noel Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on the line. If you've got thoughts, we want to hear from you as well. Call in at 334-321-1390. Levi, what do you make of his comments about the quarterback position? I love that he opened it up for the room. They asked about Bo Nix, and he opened it up about everybody. And I think that just kind of speaks to that team mentality, you know, that we've kind of seen the culture that's being built. See, I didn't like that that much. I I liked it. I like being able to just say that, hey, we're not focused on one guy. Because this is early at spring ball, and spring ball is more focused on team improvement, where are we standing going into the season. That's fair. I didn't take it that way, but I I understand how you took it that way. I just took it as he wasn't dead set on saying, like, hey, you know, Monix is Monix is coming in, blah blah blah. He's he's our guy, you know, without even seeing him play in person in like his practice, you know. And he's only he's not going in here saying, yeah, Monix was a starter for the past two years. He's my guy, regardless if I've seen what he brings to the table in practice or not. He's leaving it open to kind of see like, hey, hey man, you need to step up in practice, you know, and continue to continue to prove what I think he has already been doing because he's high on Monix because he even said that he was a leader. Yeah, he showed up as a leader in the offseason. I definitely got the vibe that, and, and yes, I know what you're referring to. Early in the press conference, yep. he was asked if anybody had stepped up during winter workouts and whatnot, and Bo Nix was the third person he mentioned in that lineup of players that included included Owen Papo, Zacoby McLean, Bo Nix, Tank Bigsby, and Tayshawn Manning. But this was probably, this question about the quarterback position, his answer here was probably my least favorite answer he gave in all 31, 32 minutes it did feel of the, his press conference. It, did feel it the was most, coach speak. I was about to say, it did feel the most like coach speak. Compared yep. to every other comment he made, this one did feel the most like a coach speak comment. He's got to be aware of 
the controversy that has surrounded the quarterback position the last two, three, four, five, you know, infinite seasons with Auburn football, you know. But, Outside of what, 2010? Yeah, 2013, 2014, but, well, 2014, because there was probably, you know, what's going to happen at quarterback in 2013, uh, so sure. I don't know, 2014, there were people who still wanted uh, Jeremy Johnson over Nick Marshall, so. Ridiculous, but, and those people look stupid now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um this was my least favorite answer because it did feel the most like coach speak because he was asked specifically about a player and it was such a quick like 180 degree turn to talk about everybody else but as he should right because the message of what he said there if you dig into it and you're trying to translate coach speak to an act to an actual message this is a calculated guy he knows what he's saying he's got a message in everything that he's saying I think what we've learned from Brian Harson so far is that he knows how to talk to the media and he knows how to convey his vision and his message to the media in an effective way. And he did in this answer, even though it was my least favorite answer because it had coach speak in it about the entire room. Like, I don't need you to name the entire quarterback room, man. We know that none of those guys have a chance don't sleep to on, start. Don't sleep on Grant Loy. Oh, fine, he's the backup. <laughs> I was okay with that because he talked about the pecking order, but I don't need to know about – Lindsey, Pate, Garnett, like those guys, we know they're not going to play. That's true. I don't even think he mentioned Demetrius Davis. He did. He, did. he? he mentioned him right after Grant Lloyd. He's just, okay. He just said Davis, and I, I. it took me a minute because I'm so used to calling him Demetrius Davis that hearing – because Davis is a very common last name. So hearing Davis – must have said just, it quietly, and yeah, I just didn't pick up on it. It got sandwiched in between a couple of guys that kind of lulled you to sleep a little bit where you're just like, Lindsey, mm, Garnett. I was like, I, I don't, I don't need to know the entire depth chart because we know none of those guys are going to play. So that was the coach speak part. But if you head towards the tail end of his answer to that question, he starts talking about guys coming out there to compete and these pecking orders not being the be all end all. And although he used the pecking order to talk about the quarterback position, he was also talking about other positions as well. And I don't think he's gotten allegiance because he said in, in previous years when he's had returning starters at positions. Other guys have improved during the offseason, and maybe they're ready for some more playing time as well. There's more proof right there that there's more proof in the pudding there that he's not he, he's not holding allegiance maybe to everybody or the previous pecking order or the previous depth charts that we've seen at Auburn. So um, do you think this is a little bit of a, a pandering move? Because it's no secret that there are a number of Auburn fans who are not happy with Bo Nix. And are, I mean, we've... We what have, do you mean by pandering move? Like, I don't think this guy panders. I mean, but it was just this is this the guy is, who, this is who hypo, talked about twidiots. Well, this you know, is a like, this is a hypo. You said he's calculated. You said he's calculated in what he does. I don't think and, he cares about what other people think about his I mean, quarterback. I though. don't either. I'm just throwing the conversation out there where you have a a select sect of this fan base that does not appreciate Bo Nix. But then right after that, though, he says that there's a pecking order and that Bo Nix is at the top of that pecking order, right? So I, now, I think you're reading too far into it for, there. For now, like he kind of gave that wiggle room to like, I think he kind of hit, like you said, I think he's calculated. I think he talks to the media very well. I think he gave this, he gave a little bit of hope to those fans who don't like Bo Nix for their like, oh, this guy, he's not, uh, this guy's not going to just put Give Bo Nix the in position. there. Yeah, and I think, I, I feel... It's Bo Nix's position, though. It, it is, but I feel like it was. Uh, I'm not reopening. It's that not lightly. I don't think it's light. I don't think it's full pandering, but I think it's a little bit lightly. Maybe just. I think word, pandering's the wrong word. I think it's a little bit of word manipulation, where you're trying to kind of like get someone to think, like, oh, 
this is truly an open quarterback position when we all know it's not. I don't think he said it's an open quarterback position. I just think he says guys have to go out there and compete and earn their job. He didn't say there was a quarterback battle. But the Bo, I didn't take but that. The, but the Bo Nix haters are going to sit there and go, there's a chance. There's a chance. There's I think a Jim Carrey. I think he, there's I, a Jim yeah. Carrey. You know, so you're telling me there's a chance. I think he. <laughs> I think he said that carefully to give that, to give the illusion that like, hey, it might be an open quarterback room when we all know it's not. I didn't take it that way. That's fine if you took it that way. I, I don't. I'm not. No, I didn't. That, I didn't take it that way. I'm just saying I could. There see, could be somebody out there thinking that. Yes, I'm just saying I could see I would where say people, they would be wrong. <laughs> I no, I agree, but I could see where people might think that. That's that's yeah. where I'm coming from. I I don't take that at all. You know as well as I do that I believe that Bo Nix is a starter, no questions asked. And if he's not, unless they bring in a transfer, but I think that ship has sailed because most guys have selected their schools. If Bo Nix hitting the starter come the fall, he's either injured, something happened. Or there's a guy on this roster that we haven't seen before who is just uber talented. Remember how Johnny Manziel emerged at A and M? It's something like that. Was he a walk on? He, uh, he, no, no, no. He because he had an uh, offer from Oregon. He had initially agreed. And he to must go have been Oregon. like a he must have been like a third stringer. I think he was like a, he was time. like a late guy to come in. Like he was like a late guy, and I think that's why he was kind of buried on the depth chart a little bit. I think he was a third stringer. Yeah, and he just found his way to. Found his way to the top and ended up setting if, the college football world on fire. If someone for two like or three if someone, I mean, someone like Demetrius Davis or Grant Lloyd starting week one, something happened to Bo Nix and he got injured. Or we, I don't think Grant Lloyd could do it because we've seen him. It'd be more likely for Demetrius Davis because we haven't seen him and he just absolutely wowed everybody. You know what's crazy? Still not going to happen. You know what's crazy? What's that? All my NCAA football fourteen <laughs> dynasty fans of the video game franchise will laugh at this. I think. Johnny Manziel stayed all the way through his redshirt senior season, which obviously did not happen in real life. He won three straight Heismans, <laughs> which is just and, – and still A&M found a way to lose like three or four games every year in the most Kevin Sumlin fashion. Oh, man. It's hilarious. But for some reason on NCAA football, like Texas A&M quarterbacks are always the ones getting into the Heisman race. I don't know. Maybe that's just happening in mind, but always. And then the other, the that, other commonality, the other constant is by year three or four, Georgia Tech – Army and Navy, all of the triple option schools are some of the best, some of the best teams in the country. It's ridiculous. Are they still running the triple option? They, they are. I was they about to say, did, I was about to say, did they fire their coaches? And, it's ridiculous. Uh, and let me assure you, I do not want to play those teams on that game because I will give oh, up six hundred rushing yards, oh, and so I have hard. done that. It's yeah. so hard. Bill Cameron of the Drive with Bill Cameron and also Dan Peck that follows us every weekday from four to six p.m. here on ESPN one zero six seven and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. He asked the next question that we're going to talk about to Brian Harson, and this one in reference to the tight ends. Let's take it a listen to that clip, and then uh, at the end of that clip, we'll break it down, and then we will be coming up on a break. So here we go. This is a question about the tight end position to Brian Harson. Coach Bill Cameron from The Drive on ESPN 106.7. You've got a really deep tight end room. Uh, if you would talk about your philosophy about using the tight end, and do you see the group sort of shaking out as – some more traditional tight ends, others maybe more H-back and possibly even fullback? Well, I do, yeah. For that, I, I do see is, um, you know, if you have your more in-line guy, off-the-line guy, your fullback type uh, tight ends in there. And uh, I don't know the answer to that yet until we get to see him, all right? But that's, that's typically been uh, a way that we've had uh, in this offense, our tight end set up. You know, guys are able to do those things. Um, and some better than others, right? The fullback position, that's, that's really one of those positions that, that you don't see very often anymore, but very effective when you do. 
You, know, you go watch some of the teams in the NFL that have really good fullbacks. Um, they make a huge impact on the game. Uh, they're able to do things that you know you just don't see a lot of. Um, and they're usually physical players and, re and really good leaders on the team. They're guys that go hard and uh, probably the glue of the team. Uh, and I feel like that with our tight ends. We, we got a good group of tight ends. Uh, I've got a chance to see those guys work out, run, and, and do some of the conditioning. And um, I know they're picking up on the offense. I know they're picking up on, on the things that, that that position requires in our system. And, and now today we'll get a chance to see that, you know, just guys moving around, uh, how they block, how they, how they catch. Um, you know how they operate in uh, in our system, and uh, we will have a couple tight ends on the field. You know throughout our first few practices and all that. So you're going to see guys out there, and, and we're going to have those guys. You know doing uh, multiple things, and um, how they operate that will kind of determine you know where we go in that second half of spring, and um, what that uh, continuation of of that personnel or that position group looks like as we move forward. Just like I said that the previous question's answer was one of my least favorite answers of the entire press conference, if not my least favorite answer of the entire press conference, this is one of my favorite answers of the entire press conference because although there there's always going to be coach speak in every single answer that a coach gives, I felt like he was honestly saying, look, I, I don't know about these guys at the tight end position. I know that there's a lot of bodies and I know that they've got some potential. I know that they're able to do different things. But what I also know is that I don't know what all of these do, what all of these guys do specifically well. Like he smiled about John Samuel Shanker after he smiled about John Samuel Shanker in a follow-up question from Bill after that one there about tight ends, because he's like, man, he's a worker, you know, and like you'd expect going into the regular season next year or even in the spring here that Shanker is at the top of the tight end depth chart. Obviously, he's playing baseball as well. When you're talking about this tight end room, he, he, he honestly, I feel like, does not know what all of them do specifically well, but I know he's got – I know that he knows that he's got versatility inside – he's got versatility inside his tight end room, but he wants to know what all of them do specifically well, you know, and – I've, I liked the fact that he was honest about it. I liked the fact that he that he basically said, I don't know, and I'm going to see what these guys can do out on the practice field. And then from there, I'm going to – from there, I'm going to cultivate the position and I'm going to build my philosophy about the position and how we're going to incorporate them into the game plan. I'm going to build that around what I know they do well. And I think plain and simple, he was like, look, I don't know what they do well yet because I haven't seen them at practice, so we're going to get them into different situations. We're going we're gonna to get them involved in different things, and we're going to find out. I liked that answer. I thought it was very truthful. Yeah, it's a really good answer. I mean, you have a lot of versatility in there. I mean, you have guys who do different things very well. I mean, you just look at a guy like Shanker and then a guy like Pegues where – like they're they're almost two different types of guys in terms of bodybuilding and everything. You have Shanker who's not even there right now, or not there fully right now because he's like playing south baseball. of two fifty, and then you got Pegues who's north of three hundred. Three oh eight now at yeah. this point. I mean, it's I'm I'm I think he legit to see. is still trying to just learn this roster, still learn who these yeah. players are, and still learn what they do well and see it for it, his own eyes. It's different to look at it on film than to see it in person and see how these guys have improved. He wants to see them in person. He wants to be able to coach them up, see what they do well, and then fit them into the offense that that makes them the best player that they can be. 
And so that was what I took away from it. Not not coach speak, but like legitimately like He still has to learn it. Yeah. He still has to learn a lot about these guys. We've got a caller on the line with us, and unfortunately, we gotta head to a quick break here. We're running really far behind, but please stay on the line with us. We will get to you in just a few moments here. We got Matt on the line with us. Stay with us on the other side of this break. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. Once again, the number to call, 334-321-1390. We lost Matt during the break. Please give us a call back. We want to hear from you once again, 334-321-1390. Continuing on with the conversation here We've been talking about and going through Brian Harson's press conference clips and breaking them down individually and assessing, you know, and, and digging into really what he said and trying to siphon through and, and, and translate the coach speak where there is coach speak, but also really give some credit there because uh, I think these, there have been some really truthful answers and some answers, answers that I really liked a lot during the course of the press conference because I think we learned a lot yesterday from, from Brian Harson. I agree with that too. I mean, there, it was a really good conversation coaches are always going to throw that coach beak out there let's be honest it's going to happen at times that's just how they're wired you got to play to the media sometimes I really do enjoy because we didn't get I didn't get to talk about it too much in that last last segment with you about the tight ends I am just very very intrigued by the tight ends because we don't know what they're going to do we know he wants to use them and we know that he doesn't know what he has in them so I'm just really interested to see how this is going to evolve over the spring and going into the year and I think he was honest. I think he was pretty much just said, hey, I don't really know what I got either right now. I got an idea, but I'm going to have to run him out there and see it. And, I mean, that's about as honest as you can get in my And he opinion. didn't just say that about the tight end position. You know, no, that it's, was the it's pretty much question. about everybody, yeah. yeah. He's still learning some of these guys. You know, there's a couple of times where he didn't look too too sure on some names of players, you know, where he would he would say name and I he would say Brandon. I mean Brendan, you know, <laughs> like he's still learning guys' names, I'm sure. There are and, people and, I've known for years and I still don't know their names, man. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> the ESPN 1067 basketball mayhem contest has one million reasons for you to enter. Correctly predict every game of the men's basketball tournament, and you could win one million dollars. Register now at ESPNAU.com. Even if you don't win the million, the closest to perfection wins a 50-inch smart TV from Rick's Audio, Video, and Appliance. Basketball Mayhem is presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, Tzatziki's Mediterranean Cafe, Brubaker Motors, and ESPN 106.7. Hurry. Deadline to sign up is this Thursday night. See rules for all our contests at ESPNAU.com. Levi, have you filled out a bracket yet? Nope, so I haven't filled one out. I've, I've not filled out my legitimate bracket yet, but I, I have done a coin we, flip bracket. Yeah, you did the coin flip. You did the mascot. Did you finish your mascot bracket yesterday? I did not, but you made a great point. Yeah, you said, me, who's beating a dragon? That was So uh, it ended up uh, a friend of mine was was texting back and forth in one of uh, our various like fantasy football group messages that we have, and they were kind of talking about the same thing. And he said, an elephant, like easy, like quick first. He said, an elephant. Only The only animal that can kill an elephant are two lions. And then he thought about it. He said, wait. There are like Spartans and stuff in the field, and then my cousin and a dragon. And then my cousin said, "Dragon," and everybody went, "Oh!" And it just so happens that the dragon is is the, a 16 seed. It's the lowest 16 seed, if I'm not mistaken, right? I mean, they're playing. Or, no, 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 they're not the lowest 16 seed, but they're one of the lowest. I mean, they're they're 16 seed. They're one of the lowest. I thought they were the lowest one, but that's wrong. No, they're actually 
they're one of the middle tier 16 seeds. Still, the lowest one is going to play yeah, Gonzaga. That's, that's what I, I got mixed up in my head. I thought they were playing Gonzaga for a little bit, but yeah, I mean, what's beating a dragon? I mean, are there is there a knight in the field? Anybody the knights? I don't know if there is a knight in this field. That would be a good one. That I don't would be know the, if there is. That would be the Holy Cross, or, or what are they? Holy Cross is not in here. Holy Cross versus Drexel in the in, in the championship game. Here's the question: based Liberty off of is called the Flames, right? Can what a, is a flame? I mean, can a dragon actually beat a flame? I mean, can it? Can anything? I, I mean, is there water in the field as well? Who's taking the orange, right? Like, <laughs> it, it, does Syracuse make it out of the first round against no. the Aztecs? No. Do you just eat it? Mm, you just yeah. eat the orange. It's not that complicated. There are knights. Rutgers. Rutgers versus Drexel. That's and they're it. in the same. They're in the same region, the Midwest. There you go. I like it. And then there's Cleveland State, who are they Vikings? Yeah, I think they're the Vikings. <laughs> Who's beating a Viking? <laughs> you got some fun, uh, some fun middle age mashups going on that you could have. In our last segment of today's show, coming up later on, <laughs> we'll, we'll tell you about creative ways to to pick your bracket or fill out your bracket. Try these because I'm doing all of these that I've got, and so we've got some fun ways to do it. And then obviously there's the legit bracket that you're going to do that you're going to care the most about yeah. because your intelligence is on the line, man. It's on the line. Your intelligence, right? He said it. He said it. That's right. It, he I, said I, it. It turned into a pun midway he through. He said it. It did, yeah. But my coin flip bracket, which is included on my list, unfortunately – it's like fate is trying to like smite me in some way. I I don't know. It's like it's like fate is laughing at me. You know who won the coin flip bracket? Who won the coin? Oh, oh I, you told me yesterday. I know who won the coin. Flip the Virginia bracket. Cavaliers, defending champs. The defending champs, and I'm I'm surprised you're not calling them frauds based off the double dribble and whatnot. They are <laughs> and, frauds. And, 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 and I a call topsy turvy. ACC season as well. There's a, there's a there's a tweet out there from uh, when Duke was still in the ACC tournament that I listed out their path to get to the ACC championship, where they had to go through uh, the frauds that are Virginia Cavaliers, which you know they ended up not getting to finish the tournament either. I still don't understand. Just talking about the field right now and some gripes about it, I still don't understand how Virginia and Florida State get four seeds and the ACC champions and Georgia Tech gets at nine. I know they were below those two teams perpetually across the whole season but they were still a first four by ACC tournament team and they won the ACC championship that's got to get you a bump right like how is Florida who lost in the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament a seven seed two whole seed lines above the ACC champions yeah that's what I don't understand that either I, I just don't get it and then what do they get rewarded for winning the ACC tournament they get to play Illinois I mean, or they get to play Loyola Chicago first, and then if they beat yeah. them, then they have to play Illinois. Either Which way, I'm not so certain that they beat that I they don't know. beat That's... Loyola. And then I definitely don't think they beat Illinois. Sister Sheen, Sister Jean's going to be there. She's going to yeah. be in the house in Indy. Going to try and roll all the way to the oh, title Ram- game. You know, Ramblers versus the Ramblin' Wreck. Back with more of on the line on the other side of this break. Stay with us. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. We're heading into the final stretch of the show. 30 minutes left until the drive with Bill Cameron here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Fun show today. 
so far, Levi, and we will continue on with our Brian Harson Book Club segment, as it's came to be known. We're digging into some of these press conference clips. We've chopped up the press conference, taking away some some of his key answers in their entirety to to full questions. Of course, we're not chopping up the answers or anything. It's the it's the full question and answers. But uh, we're not going to play all thirty minutes of this. We're taking away the highlights from it, digging into it, kind of like what the message is from those questions and answers. Uh, from Brian Harson translating the coach speak and telling you what we think about what he has said. We've talked about the tight end position, Bo Nix in the quarterback room, his opening statements that he made, comments about the defense as well. He's talked about 3-4 versus the 4-3. It definitely seems like there's going to be a base of a 3-4, but we're still going to see the 4-3 in this defense. He is a wealth of knowledge and information it's definitely refreshing to get this much in a press conference. I don't know if this will continue over time. I don't know if we're going to always have these 30-minute press conferences. But Brian Harson's pretty long-winded. The guy will give you a two- or three-minute answer to a question. That was not Gus Malzahn. Not at all. No, he was he was short, concise, and to the point with what he was saying in his press conferences. So it's a, it's a breath of fresh air to get this expanded answer that you're getting out of uh, Brian Harson. That just makes me chuckle, though. You say concise, and then I think back to what's Batman? <laughs> you know the trick play that yeah. that I ask him about is like, so when's Batman going to be in the back in the, back in the game plan? He's like, what's Batman? <laughs> just like with a with a straight. You, you face. want to, you want to talk about concise? Yeah, what's Batman? That's that's <laughs> that's the concise. That's what you're going to get out of Gus Moss on is you know you're going to get answers like that. So there was a question about the offensive line. Possibly guys moving around. What does it look like right now? The tackle position specifically. This one was asked by Brian Matthews, VolverSports.com. Let's take a listen to this, and then we'll dig into it uh, once the clip ends. Coach Brian Matthews, VolverSports.com. Thanks for speaking to us. Um, just want to ask you about your tackle situation. Uh, how do you feel about going in the spring? And do you have some guys that can help you there, or do you think you might have to reach to the portal a little bit later? No, I, I think we have some guys. I mean, we got guys that can help us. Um, you know, really with the old line, I mean, you, you're trying to look at your best five, right? And, and we're, not, we're not at our best five right now. We're, we're going to see the amount of players that we have at the O-line position, go out there and do our individual drills, put them through all the, you know, what tackles would do, guards would do. Um, and you have your center positions a little bit different. But all those players, you know, you look at that tackle position, who's got the length to play tackle, all right? But at the same time, um, you know, we just got to see these guys get out there and, and get on a board and get some one-on-ones going and, and come off the ball and strike. And then we'll start to, to move around and, and kind of play with, you know, the first five guys in there and, and how that looks and then start to work with our depth that we do have. We do have to continue to keep recruiting the O-line. All right, that, even regardless of, of what it looks like coming out of spring and where we are, we got to continue to keep developing our O-line. we got to continue to keep recruiting the O-line. and. Uh, create some separation, you know, just in years. You know, we got some guys in that junior class that are stacked up, um, so we're deep in the junior class. But we gotta we gotta create some separation in there and and some future development uh, just at the O line position and, and the tackle position in particular. All right, is an area that we gotta we gotta stay focused on recruiting. There are two parts to his answer here. There is the part where he's talking about the current group in the offensive line room and on the offensive line depth chart. And then there is the second part where he's talking about recruiting the position. Let's talk about the first part of it first. My takeaway was nobody's job safe except for maybe the center position. I think the center position is relatively locked, but in his answer it just sounds like, hey, whoever wants to play, 
prove it, and you're going to play. Come out of practice, prove that you want to play, and you're, you can go in because uh, – Whatever. I wonder what the vibe is on the offense right now for some of those guys who are returning starters because they're all coming back, you know. I wonder I, what the vibe is. Like, are they all looking over their shoulder? Is there anxiety in the room? Like, I hope they're coming with a fire. Like, I hope yeah. they're coming and saying, hey, like, I still want to play. Like, I, if we guys aren't taking year. this seriously yet, they're going to. Or they're not going to play. If yeah. You're either going to take it seriously or you're not going to play. At least They'll that's, learn. that's what the vibe that you get out of Brian Harson is, is you're, you either come and want to play, you either come practice, Show me that you're good enough to play because you didn't show it last year to me, you know, at least from the film that I've studied, and you didn't show the fan base that you were good enough to play. Come out and show me that you want to play this year. Ask specifically about the tackle position. I mean, like, nobody's job is safe when he, when he's – I mean, and, and this was a position group that I was talking about earlier when we were discussing tight ends where he's like, oh, I'm just going to have to find out what I've got because he hasn't seen them with his own eyes before other than no. in that bowl game and very limited experience with his team so far on the actual football field, virtually none now. I mean, this is the first time he's stepping out there. He said this is the first time in a long time. Earlier on in the press conference, whether it was in an opening statement or not, but he said earlier in the press conference it was that this was the first time that these guys were on the field together for quite some time in some football activities. This is the first time he's been on the field with them in football activities. Nobody's job is safe on this offensive line. I love that comment at the end, though. I love that tackle in particular comment because I mean, twenty. I mean, what was it since twenty seventeen that they hadn't recruited one? I love that comment. I know that's the second part of the question. I don't think but it's a dig, but I, I, I don't take it as a dig, but I'm going to take it as a dig if that makes sense. I'm gonna in my brain. I don't think like I really don't think he meant that in any kind of slight or anything towards yeah. Gus Malzahn, but I'm gonna take it like that, and I'm just gonna because I, I giggle every time I hear that because I think. That was a little shade. He threw some shade over at uh, Malzahn for it's not probably recruiting. not happy that there's no tackles yeah, on his roster. It's like, it's, thanks, it's, man. It's probably not even a dig. It's probably just more like, yeah, we got to recruit that position. Somebody didn't, didn't recruit that position. It didn't leave me with anything. <laughs> I come in here and I don't have any tackles to run with right now. Yeah, that's the truth. And the second part of his question that I was talking about was the recruiting, and you've you've got into that here. And the he's got to recruit the offensive line. Love that he mentions that. There is a there. There's danger after the junior class because there's hardly any bodies after this junior class that's coming through. So he's got a limited amount of time, and that means that when they get these guys on campus, it's got to start with this class right here, right now. They don't have any offensive linemen in the current class in 2022. I, I, I'm running. Yeah, they don't have a single offensive lineman in that class right now in 2022. I was trying to run through my brain right now. They've got to hit it right now because they've got to get, have enough time to develop these guys. They've got a two-year window to develop these guys to be ready to step into SEC play. There's not a lot of time for the offensive line position to make a turnaround. And it's not. I mean, like, I, there's a big gap here. I mean, they're pretty loaded with the junior class, but you're going to have to get some development with those young guys that he pointed out in the press, co- press conference. You have to get some guys some young guys experience you can't just because if you don't you're going to be in the same situation Auburn was in last year in just a few years you're going to have guys have who two defensive tackles on your offensive line you're going to, yeah you're going to have guys who have no development who aren't what's the word I'm looking for far enough along to be to be qualified as a starter in the SEC being forced to start in the SEC and it's going to be bad again so you have to get some of those young guys a little bit of development going on which He's acknowledging it, which is good. That just means that he's – it looks to me that he's going to go out there and do it. Similar question here about the defensive line. Let's get his question and answer 
right here about what that front looks like for Auburn going into the spring in terms of a depth chart guys moving around so here's the question and the answer Yes. Yeah, I do. And, and I don't know to, to answer that, you know, who those guys are right now, but there's going to be, you know, if, if, if we continue through spring and, and everybody, um, you know, we stay healthy, all right, we're able to have, you know, the amount of practices that, that we're allotted, um, you're going to see a couple changes in there. You're going to see some guys move a little bit inside and outside. You want to see some guys, you're going to be some guys that emerge as rushers and guys that that can come in in certain packages and, and play inside and, and create some speed and some different looks. Um, and there's also going to be probably times too where there's a guy out and you got you got to put somebody in at a different position. You're going to see how that that works. Um, and, and I believe for all those guys up front, you know, your nose position, kind of those interior guys, and especially your nose and kind of a zero nose look. Um, they're pretty specific to what they do. But the other positions now is, you know, you're, you're getting guys on the on the tackles, you're getting guys on the edges. Um, I think you can, you know, you can move guys around a little bit in some of those packages. And, and, and I'm sure our defense will come up with a few wrinkles uh, that they want to work on and they want to try that will have packages of certain players that necessarily aren't, you know, edge guys uh, when they're in a four down look, but are edge guys in this particular package of plays. and. You know, that becomes the fun part when you're able to take some of your personnel, do some of those things, uh, allow guys uh, a chance to, to play a little bit different position, but also utilize their skill uh, in some of those areas. And, you know, I'm sure that will happen. I don't know what that looks like right now, but I see that coming. And I see that position, you know, just like the old line, you kind of move some guys around and you allow those guys a chance to, to play several positions, you know, or, or a couple positions, I should say, on the defensive line. That was head coach Brian Harson talking about that defensive line and moving some guys around. But during that clip, we got a call, and Matt is back on the line with us. Matt, how you doing today, my man? Good. How are you, Zach? We are. Uh, all right. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, how you doing today, my man? Pretty good, man. Um, so I was curious. So this past season, players had an option in football to opt out and get another year of eligibility, and then everyone was was issued eligibility in college football was that the same with college basketball or yes so uh and and it is a it is a wild west out there it's a frontier when you're talking about guys getting these extra years of eligibility it looks like auburn is is give, is treating these guys like they played that season last year at least when they write them on their on their depth charts or not their depth charts their roster sheets like Bo Nix is going to be listed as a junior this upcoming year but they still have that extra year of eligibility but that's creating some major issues on the recruiting front I've talked to some high school coaches too about this how like it's hard to get their guys recruited guys that may have been fringe guys that could have been like low d1 players like they're having a hard time getting recruited right now because there's a, a huge log jam so, for example, Noah, um, Garrison Brooks, who went to Auburn High School, would he have another year of eligibility at North Carolina? He would. I don't know if he'll take it, but uh, I believe he would. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah. That was Matt on the line with us. Appreciate him joining us on the phone line. I'm correct in saying that, right, Levi? Like, uh, that that's the way I understand it. Didn't, didn't Jamal Johnson, wasn't he one of the guys that – executed that if i'm not mistaken yeah i think I thought, he'd be coming back i have a feeling garrison brooks will probably take off to the nba i'm trying to i'm trying know. to look at some of his draft uh 
some of you know Garrison Brooks's draft. He's a second pro- round projection. guy. Projection. That's what I was. He's a second round guy if he gets drafted. He might come back. I mean, it's 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 North Carolina. Roy Williams has a Roy Williams has always done very well at retaining guys and keeping them there. You know, throughout their senior years and you know longer than they might should have. They he keeps guys around for a, for a long time. That's why you don't see a lot of North Carolina guys go super early in the draft because a lot of times they're older and we've talked about that before. The ageist that is the NBA draft. They don't like guys who aren't freshmen anymore because that's they're losing two, three years of their NBA career. That was Matt who called in. Once again, phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. Thoughts about the defensive line position and the clip that we were looking at just a few moments ago. He said guys are going to move around on that defensive line. There's a lot of bodies. I don't think anybody really – I don't think anybody on that defensive line last year said – hey, this is my line, I'm the leader, I'm the wrecker on this group. There's a lot of opportunity here at this position there's a good or in this position group. Yeah, there's a good opportunity to really have someone assert themselves. I think what I took away from it, at least that specific clip, which I think I, uh, we discussed this the other day, it seems that Derek Mason has a lot of has gained a lot of trust in Brian Harson because he's sitting there talking. It's another about, one of those clips where he's referring to Derek the, Mason's going to be the one managing that. And he said, you know, the defense are probably going to throw out some wrinkles and whatnot. And when he didn't say, we're going to. Or I'm going to. Yeah, he said, the defense is going to. Pretty yeah. much saying, like. Second head coach, man. Hey, Derek Mason's got that defense. I trust him. He's going to have them balling. Like, I, you do you, Derek Mason. I trust you. You work it out. If we got problems, we'll talk about it. We'll fix it. Other than that, you do you, my man. On the other side of this break, we wrap up the show here on On the Line. Wrap it up on the line here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Big thank you there to Matt calling in. Once again, don't be a stranger. You can call in 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. Questions, comments, what's on your mind? We will talk to you about whatever is on your mind in the sports world wrapping up the show here let's take a listen to what's on tv tonight hey everybody it's noah gardner with what's on tonight get your crime show fix with ncis at seven and fbi following it at eight both on cbs get ready for your emotions to be tested on this is us at eight on nbc over on cw from seven to nine you can catch a couple of superhero shows with the flash at seven and superman and lois at eight a couple of movie selections tonight they aren't your typical police recruits police academy is on amc at seven a couple of quirky movies on freeform willy wonka and the chocolate factory at 5 and the 2010 version of Alice in Wonderland at 7:30. Getting older doesn't mean you have to lose your inner kid. Grown Ups 2 is on Paramount at 6 and Old School follows it at 8:15. The NBA schedule features two games on TNT tonight starting at 6:30. The Utah Jazz will travel to Boston to face the Celtics at 9. Zion Williamson and the Pelicans will close the night at Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight. Ramping up on the line here, we are T-minus eight minutes till the drive with Bill Cameron. Comes on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Levi, it's been, a, it's been a good show, man, but I think we've saved the best for last. The show has been much better than the weather, let's put it that way. Unless people like rain. Then I mean, in that case, it's still better. I love rain. I love sitting at home in the rain. I don't like having to go to work and doing things. You know what I mean? I don't like how if it's raining, I want to be at home. I don't want to have to drive. I don't want to walk anywhere. Just well, too bad. Put me on the porch. <laughs> hey, this, 
hey, I'll do this any day. This is this is my favorite part of the day, regardless of the weather. Let's be honest there. So we've saved the best for last here. Oh, yeah. I'm sure folks one. out there are still filling out brackets. If you're one of those people that like to fill out multiple brackets and whatnot, we've came up with a list of what are some creative ways to fill out a bracket. We tried to come up with some new additions, some techniques. Uh, you might always, you you might not always get the best team in your in your final, but it's still pretty fun. There's something mentally satisfying about penciling in teams in a bracket. I don't know, maybe you're not OCD like me, but I, it very satisfying. I mean, if you're old school and you like paper, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm do, okay. I'm okay you with do it on the computer. Yeah, I'm okay with doing oh, it on the computer. No, I'm okay with doing it. No, computer. I didn't know I was. Oh no, I, I didn't I, know I was doing this show with a sociopath. I don't need pencil. No. And pa- I don't need pencil and paper. Save the trees. What? That's what's so exciting. What? Save I mean, the, tre- the trees. Save the trees. Yeah. Over here, over here on this show, if you look across the board over There's here in front of me, everywhere. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pieces of paper of notes, and you're over there just having fun. Have, That's it. Well, I did have my laptop. That's but fair, it, yeah. It started to die. I didn't want to plug it up before eight minutes. Yeah, but it's still, all my notes are usually on my laptop on, you know, Word doc and stuff like that. I don't know. That, that's kind of weird that you don't use actual a paper bracket, but whatever. All right, my, let's handwriting's get into it. my handwriting's bad. <laughs> I can't read my handwriting. We've talked a little bit about creative ways already. We've gone yeah. through coin flip and who would win in a mascot fight. And that was, we talked about that Those earlier, the mascot fight. That was a fun one. That Midwest region's got some, got some fun got some, mascots mm. between Aztecs, dragons, Scarlet Knights, Vikings. Oof. I don't think any wildlife's coming out with a victory. That's a, blood in that. li- that's a bloodbath on that one. That, that well, bri- with, with knights, Aztecs, and dragons, I don't think any like normal no. wildlife's coming out of that region okay. A bear, a bulldog, a tiger, nothing like that. It's cowboys. Out. Oh, the cowboys, they don't have a chance. Oh, poor <laughs> cowboys. I, I, yeah, natural wildlife, I don't, I don't think they're making it out. But there's a lot of mascot diversity there. Continuing on, something that I do every year, and I haven't done this yet, I do a math formula. Yeah, I remember. I remember the math formula. It doesn't. I mean, I don't know the. I don't, work, I don't remember the formula, fun. but I remember you doing it. It, gives, it produces more chalk than you think, but uh, that's not always a good thing. One that uh, one that I like to do is either find. I mean, one you can do is just like what city? What city do you like better? Do you like uh, Spokane, Washington, or you know, do you like East Lansing, Michigan? Like you go through stuff like that. I also like just grabbing random colors, like the colors of the two teams, and just texting somebody in my phone that has no idea about anything and just saying blue or green what about whose football team had more wins oh that's a good one i do but like that if they're tied then you choose the one that you think would win in football yes <laughs> you go go based off of football not off of basketball so alabama is going to win the ncaa tournament this year oh no if you go with that one alabama's going all the way you do get alabama you're gonna, ohio state you're gonna have a jeremy law bracket no! if you do that I like the uh, which coach do I think would win in a fist fight. Uh, it's going to be that's that's Mitt, good. Why Mitt, have I not thought of that? Mick yet? Cronin and UCLA is definitely going to win, or it's either going to be Mick Cronin and UCLA or Rick Pitino because you know he's a vampire and he's going to cheat. <laughs> Leonard Hamilton because he always travels with them boys behind him, and they're going to you know he's got a squad with him at all times. He's yeah, not, I'm trying Leonard to Hamilton's think of the not, tough guy of the NCAA tournament. Leonard bracket. Hamilton isn't fighting fair. He's going to have the boys with him, and they're going to squad up and win. I think. Like I think that's easy. Either that or Mick Cronin, because Mick Cronin's going to win in a fist fight. Here's one that's a little bit more serious that I have actually fi- found to be actually like pretty good. I call it my upset bracket. 
if you don't want to apply this logic to the one line, fine, don't do it. Even even the two line as well, because you rarely yeah. ever see upsets there. I mean, like 2% of the time it may ever happen, but pick an upset on every single seed line. Three all the way through eight and see how your bracket does. Just one. You can only pick one per seed line. See how it works out. Sounds like, sounds like it'd be effective. Yep. That does it for another edition of Online. On the other side of this break, you'll have the drive with Bill Cameron coming up from four to six. We'll see you tomorrow. You know where to find us.